So the normal way we hear the Spirit is through the Scriptures and through the, the Church. Notice that Jesus said, I can't tell you everything now, but you will learn the fullness of truth. That's 2,000 years of discernment about all kinds of things. Even the Trinity took a couple hundred years for the Church to come to that theology. What does it mean? And he speaks through a well-formed conscience and through the circumstances of our daily lives. Uh, things that we can't change, the things that we... Uh, our weaknesses and our uh, strengths, the things where we need God. That's where the Spirit particularly will get in. And uh, sometimes he speaks in very funny ways, and God is very subtle. He wants us, he may be very dramatic at certain periods of life, but he wants us to learn the subtleties of his speaking because we only have this one life to learn about God without seeing. So he will try to pull back so that we have to, uh, so that we grow uh, in discernment of the Spirit. On um, Friday, I uh, went up to Scapoose for my priest friend's funeral. And, uh, you know, as I, anybody, if you've been to a cremation, it's kind of like, this is my best friend, and here he is in this little box. So it really gives you a chance to think about life and that this is not all there is to us. So the Spirit spoke on that level, I think, to everyone in the room. And that's part of uh, the beauty of getting together is that the deceased can speak to us a little bit. Do I have faith or is this it? You know, and, and I, we all believe there's more to life than what it appears to be. And as, as if to emphasize the point, so the, they have a, a cemetery behind the church there, and Father Jim built the hall, so we went over there, got a chance. He was just debating with them where to put the dedication plaque. He want, they wanted a big one in the middle. He, he wanted one by the door that was real small. He said, these things are for people that are deceased. Anyway, then he died, so they're going to put it in the middle of the hall now. So that was one thing. But <laughs> funny, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> but we, we got out there, and the bishop starts to give the, the interment. He's right by a big fence. I don't know what's on the other side of it. He starts to speak, and here comes this dog. <laughs> bishop stri- talks louder and louder, and soon the dog brought some friends. <laughs> Nobody could keep a straight face. And finally the bishop said, Somebody over there doesn't like me very much on that side of the fence. But the reason I bring this up, it was the Holy Spirit. Why? Because my friend Jim, before he became a priest, trained dogs. All of us who knew that were laughing, grieving and laughing. Because it was, to me it was a sign it's going to be okay. You know, I remember who he is. Maybe he's got a pack of dogs in heaven, who knows. <laughs> That would be better behaved than these ones were. God, he only, these dogs only barked at the bishop, you know. <laughs> um, we made sure he, we let him know we knew that. Um, how does the Spirit speak? He speaks through the openings that we present to him. Many of you might not have caught that. Uh, well, that was pretty obvious, I think, that the Holy Spirit was involved in that. You could call it a coincidence, but I don't. I see it all the time. That's how God speaks. The Holy Spirit is a reality, but we have to look for him. Um, when we were discerning to build this church, what was the? we all uh, asked people in, in the three or four town hall meetings what they wanted in a church, and uh, many said they wanted uh, uh, orthodoxy, but also modern, a northwest look, and various sorts of things we tried to incorporate in the building, uh, the architect did. What was the thing that got voted most of all, those of you who were in the old building? Light. 
windows. One thing that building lacked was windows. Our, there are only three of them, and Our Lady of Guadalupe took up one of them. We took her off, and there was one-third more light in there. I don't know why they put her there, but anyway. So that's, um, and so we have all these windows to blind everyone on Sunday morning on this end and to blind me on Saturday night at that end. And that's because a lot of us wanted an east-west orientation, very traditional for a Catholic church, just like the old one. It blinds us, but that's, you know, the sun rising and setting. See how the theology of the building. Um, when I was in, uh, I've been to France twice, I mean, to Paris twice, and uh, there's a beautiful little chapel, those of us who were there last year, I think it was, uh, we, I insisted we go there. It's not usually on the usual route. People go to Notre Dame and then they go off. And this is a, oh, I don't know, this is a, just a short distance on the same island as Notre Dame. It's a beautiful chapel that belonged to the king and you could not tour it when it was active. Um, you can go all over Europe and see the most beautiful cathedrals. It seemed like they got bigger and bigger. My favorite is called Upright Gothic, which has, like our own pillars, they're, they're very plain, but they're, they're ribbed and they go straight up, just like lift you right up to, to heaven. But uh, they finally got so big, I think it was Borgias, uh, in which part of it fell down. They just got to the point where they could go no higher, 10 or 15 stories. And in those days, with the small homes people lived in, and then this massive thing in the center of town, it must have been really something. But uh, this is called La Sainte Chapelle, the, the little holy chapel. And in it was the crown of thorns, which was there until the... Um, French Revolution when it was, you know, spirited away to, for protection, and I can't remember where it has gone. But the chapel at that point was opened after that to the public, and somehow the windows never got broken, so you go in there. And the reason it's the most sublime and the very height of Gothic architecture is not the, of its height or uh, any other thing or its ornamentation, but because of its windows. It's almost all windows. The, the granite blocks are very thin between the windows. They found a way at the end in, this, in that era how to use the flying buttresses to make it almost all windows. You go to the early Gothic cathedrals and the windows are very small with very thick walls and they began to learn how to buttress and make them thinner and lighter until we end up with this uh, beautiful structure full of these marvelous windows. And to me that's a real representation of the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, if we're like a building that's full of nothing but concrete and stone and steel, uh, the spirit can't get in through that. In other words, what that means is I'm self-sufficient. I don't need God. Uh, I can run my own life. Uh, it, we don't realize that we're very vulnerable creatures, do we? God has to remind us that we're here only for a brief time, like my friend in the, in the cremation, or we get sick and we realize I don't really have control of my life. Uh, is there something more to life? All of us ask the question, what is life about? Um, some say there's nothing, but they're wrong, and that's an opinion God permits because we're here to make a choice. He hides himself, so we, if we don't want him, he won't be there. But the Spirit is available to those of us who, um, who uh, have the openings to receive him, and these openings are very frequently that which we lack, that which we know we need. We need God for our, our troubles and sorrows. God, you, you see the disciples all the time in a boat that's sinking or Jesus asleep in the back or, you know, 
they have a, a horde of people and there's no Safeway anywhere near there and they have to ask for food. And, you know, living in the moment, living day to day, only getting manna for today, that's the way God ideally would like us to live. Let the Spirit guide us in the, often in the interruptions of life, that which we plan our day and God laughs, you know that, that expression, we'll find something will come in. You know, I mean, coming back from um, Father Jim's funeral, it was only like, well, I don't know, 1.30 or 2, and so I looked at, at the um, GPS, and it showed the freeway free and clear. I thought, okay, I won't take the back way through Newburgh, I'll, which is prettier, I'll just take the freeway. Well, as soon as I got to Portland, so much for the free and clear, and I was jammed all the way past, all the way almost to Woodburn. And, uh, but I saw that as an opportunity to pray and reflect about life. I just stayed in the center lane and just let life pass by. It was very peaceful. And it was an opportunity rather than to bellyache, uh, which is my normative way. Uh, <laughs> but I just said, you know, there'll become a day when my last day to work will be and yours as well. Uh, it's a day to reflect on life a little bit and the preciousness of the moment that God's given us with our families, our friends, our uh, lives. And so God invites us into these moments. But, and again, you look at the Gospels. Who followed Christ and who killed him? Okay? The ones that killed him were the self-sufficient Pharisees and Sadducees. Not all of them, but the ones particularly in power. They saw him as a threat to the ruling order. They didn't want anything to change. They had all the power and money, and he was a threat to their, their theology, their way of life. And uh, they didn't want their nation to fall, they said. They didn't want their way of life to change. What they really didn't want was they didn't want anything different in their own lives. And out he had to go. Uh, and they killed him. They killed the spirit, and they ended up losing everything. But who followed him? Mary Magdalene and her seven devils, and uh, the sick, the lame, the needy, those who needed something. They're the ones that constantly came to Jesus. See how the spirit used those as an opening to find the truth. So thank God that we have needs. Without that, God is attracted to our needs. He's even attracted to our sins because he wants to take them away. Um, I've been working my tail off with confessions the last three weeks with confirmation. We had like 120 candidates. The Queen of Peace was over here. And, uh, and First Communion, there's still one to go. And the families want to get cleansed. And uh, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to them in their hearts. Where does the Holy Spirit speak to you? Would you have recognized the dog's barking if you heard it? Are you practicing to hear the Spirit? Uh, in the second reading, St. Paul to the Galatians, I put this in the bulletin along with two other places where, where Paul lists how you can tell the Spirit of the world from the Spirit of God. And he has this list of... We all have, there's, some, there's a sin in here for everyone. <laughs> it's, it, gets, it gets, well, anyway, immorality, impurity, lust, idolatry, it sounds like something in the movies, you know, sorcery, hatred, rivalry, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish acts, dissensions, factions, actually, it sounds like Congress, doesn't it? Um, anyway, not to talk about politics. Factions, occasions of envy, drinking bouts, orgies, and the like. I've warned you, those such things cannot come into God, into the kingdom of heaven. But the fruit of the Spirit, and we have, we're a mix of these things, aren't we? Fighting each other. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So it is that response to life that tells us if we're on the right track or the wrong one. 
That's where the Spirit speaks most of all in our hearts, is the fruit of the, of the action I've begun. Did it end in selfishness or self-giving? Was I kind or mean? Did I uh, end up in sin or was I able to, to hold back on that? You know, uh, it, it's just that simple, really. Uh, it comes down to the nitty-gritty. And then the more we are in the Spirit, the more we'll see the Spirit at work in our own lives. We need God to guide us through this troubled world. You know, as Christians... Um, the world opposes Christians, and no more so than in the present era. Uh, I don't know if it's any worse than it ever has been, but it sure is. It's tough being a good Christian these days. So we pray that the Holy Spirit will come down, not just on those receiving have received confirmation, adults and the kids or the young adults, but also the all of us to be more and more open to the Holy Spirit, His life, His life for us, His guidance, and His direction in our lives.